WMNF Tampa. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I said it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today, we are talking with several experts on climate change. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the hardworking Annie Ellis. (laughs) Oh, it's so good to be recognized for my work. (laughs) Yes, and today we're going to be talking about the triple bottom line, which is how we balance people, profit, and planet, which is the definition of sustainability. we got to keep all three of those things in mind. And uh, Annie has... Two a things. Summary. Two things. Yeah. <laughs> this this weekend, uh, with I'm with, I'm in the uh, Rare Fruit Council, and we had a citrus tasting, uh, which has been going on for over 20 years at the state fair. And so I went really early and cut fruit for hours and hours, and then sat uh, and talked to people about you know uh, citrus greening and different fruits and how to make it work for you. And it was wonderful. I just want to say that kudos to Rare Fruit Council. They've been doing this for a very long time. It's really hard to get all that citrus now because. Because we used to have about 80, and now we're down to about 20 because of citrus greening. And um, so, you know. 20, 80 what? Varieties? Percent, yeah. Oh, percent. Well, varieties. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, all the, you know, lots of them are just dead, and they're not coming back. Uh, at the Arboretum, they actually have a lot of the quirky ones in the ground, you know, under a greenhouse mm-hmm. atmosphere. And they've lost a lot. Because, see, we have to gather all the citrus to be able to cut it to give to the yeah. people. <laughs> so it's a, like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. to go to different places because it used to just be everybody's backyard. They just bring a whole bunch yeah. from their backyard and it's just not happening my, uh, neighbor, my neighbor a block away or two blocks away, uh-huh. he gifted us a giant pink grapefruit type thing that he grew. Yeah. You know, bigger than your head. It was delicious. And then... Pomelo uh, or... Maybe a pomelo. Probably. Yeah. And then um, he had purchased some other, two different types of oranges. And I have to eat them by myself because my partner says I'm too loud when I'm eating the oranges. <laughs> <laughs> They're so delicious. Just, You're just slurping them all up. Is that right? Yeah. So then he told me... <laughs> I have made to, juice. I, we have the citrus juicer. So yeah. he said, use, use the juicer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and uh, Annie, do you have a report from the newspaper? Yes, yes. Thank you very much because <laughs> I'm hot about this. So I read in the paper, it's last Wednesday, but the Bay has, lose, has lost 12% of its seagrass in two years. And that just really struck a nerve with me because I was under the delusion since our, uh, you know, we, we repopulated our scallops in the, in the Bay that, that everything was doing pretty good, right? But then I should have known that's not true because the manatees are starving and that's what they eat as a seagrass. So what's happening is they're, you know, it's, of course, it's the pollutants, the, the nitrogen-rich pollutants that are being uh, let out uh, intentionally because they don't have any place to keep it anymore. We have so much of it. And, and then it causes the algae to bloom, which blocks the sunlight to the seagrass, which can't grow. Mm-hmm. And so, all of this is exacerbated by climate change, which is the topic of today's show. Oh, you're so smooth. <laughs> See, that's your intro. And smooth Kenny Coogan. <laughs> Hardworking Annie Ellison. Smooth Kenny Coogan. I love it. Well, there's that's really about it. Yeah. I want to see if we can't find well, these people and yes. get them on the show. Future show. Very yeah. good. 
So. All right. So before we talk to our climate change people, we are going to, uh, we have a caller, Kevin Polk, and oh. he's going to be talking about an event that's happening this Saturday. Oh, right. And welcome to the show, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin, you there? Hear me? Yes, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can hear you now. All right. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hey, my name's Kevin Polk, and I oversee the Botanical Garden, Hollis Garden in downtown Lakeland, Florida. And I'm inviting you all to our second-ever multi-vendor plant sale, Plantapalooza. Plantapalooza Garden Festival and plant sale will be happening this upcoming Saturday, February 25th, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. in downtown Lakeland at Hollis Garden. A portion of the proceeds made from the sale will benefit Hollis Garden, so come on out. Plantapalooza is an event that you do not want to miss because Hollis Garden will have over 20 plant vendors from across Florida set up for you to peruse and purchase a wide variety of rare tropicals and unique exotic plants. Uh, we will have pretty much everything from orchids, bromeliads, calanzias, plumerias, house plants, string of plants, caladiums, amaryllis, medicinal herbs, flowering trees, native plants, carnivorous plants, aeroids, butterfly attractants, roses, palms, cycads, exotic fruit trees, and much, much more. It's going to be a blast, so come on out. Hope you all have a great week. And to see you this Saturday, February 25th, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. in downtown Lakeland at Hollis Garden for Plant Day Palooza. All right. Thank you so much, Kevin. And that's I, a lot. We're excited. Yeah, that's Because, great. Uh, like you mentioned, this is only the second annual one. And last year, it was so successful. Really? And if you've never been to the Hollis Garden, just for fun, it's so beautiful. They're like these tiny little hedges. Like a little English garden, you know, oh, like lots like of... like a clipped hedging. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. So, Kevin, I will be there. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'm excited that you are continuing this festival. <laughs> yes, sir. See you on Saturday. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Kevin. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate right, it. Yes. And oh, that uh, event is on our Sustainable Living WMNF Facebook page. And it will be in our notes uh, later today, Annie is having fun with her microphone. Yeah, we're, we're filming, <laughs> and so they couldn't see my face. So everybody's moving the microphone around. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the studio. All it's right, funny. so our first guest is Eloisa Lewis, and she is a child of an illegal Mexican immigrant, and she spent the past decade living in urban centers, on farms, homesteads, artist residencies, eco-villages, communes schoolies, tiny houses, squats, and tents, conducting research and helping build permaculture societies. She has degree certificates from Harvard and St. Andrews. Eloisa's passion for the environment has become her business, and she and her partners work with organizations all over the world to rebuild their internal and external structures to be regenerative environments that boost biodiversity. Welcome to the program, Eloisa. Hi, Eloisa. Thanks, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we, can. we can. We are so excited to have you. Yes. And uh, I, we know that you're heading to the Natural Disasters Expo Miami by uh, Fortum International. So can, and now, of course, Miami is going to be hit extra hard with climate change, sea level rising. Oh, it's still, it already is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great place to have a natural disaster expo. Well, you know, it is. That's like, literally, a good yeah. point, right? Good mm-hmm. point. So, Eloise, can you tell us uh, more about this expo and what you're going to be speaking about there? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, this company that Fordham International, they do business to business expos to help. That's that's one of their main specialties is just hosting a space for businesses to talk to other businesses and shop amongst ourselves. And um, so this um, is particularly interesting because it's coming from the angle of looking at yeah disasters natural disasters so floods fires earthquakes famine um basically hurricanes like all kind of tornadoes like all kinds of things that happen within just this atmosphere in this earth that we should consider for um really like our survival no matter where we're living there's these kind of design patterns and principles that my company is working with to try and help the the mass market understand that we don't have to build we're, we've first of all the infrastructure is failing that's just like number one so i'll be speaking on that of course um and kind of just talking about why the infrastructure is failing us and why we keep on having disasters like power outages and um supply chain failures and famine and um, refugee crises and things like that it's all very interconnected so i'll be able i'll be speaking um on stage as a keynote alongside uh, other folks with like nasa and fema and we're just all gonna put our heads together uh and i also want to mention i have 50 free tickets so oh. if anyone goes to our instagram you can get a code for 50 free tickets in miami what's that instagram uh, so we can let them know right away Absolutely. My Instagram, it, our company Instagram is at new climate culture. So that's just like it's spelled like how it sounds. So N-E-W-C-L-I-M-A-T-E-C-U-L-T-U-R-E. -E, new and climate culture. What are the dates of the expo? Yeah. The expo is Miami 1st through 2nd. Or sorry, uh, March 1st through 2nd. <laughs> We've changed the name. I love it, though. <laughs> I do like Heart how you mentioned, you know, I was kind of, I wasn't teasing because Miami is going to be hit extra hard with climate change. There's water in the streets. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, No, yeah, you're right. But, you're but right. the middle of the U.S. is experiencing drought and oh, then yeah. floods and mudslides. Everything. So, Every, the whole world, actually. Exactly. Not so even. The whole world needs to do it. Yeah. So, Eloisa, can you tell us in your mind, what is the single biggest problem facing a climate smart future um people's lack of imagination and and dedication probably those are the two most frustrating aspects of my work and i don't i'm not trying to blame anybody i think that it, i had to overcome the same problems myself so i want to ask you with that note uh it seems to me that a lot of times when there you say lack of imagination it's because they are used to doing <clears throat> excuse me things in a certain way and in their world it worked because it was generating capital so but they so they don't even tie into the fact that they need to change because they're still making money and so they oh yeah yeah oh yeah and they're the biggest contractors like the development contractors that are building our cities and creating and, and it's not just it's not just like a they and them versus us thing it's literally like I go to universities and I see that they're still teaching basically feudal farming and building techniques. Right. And so it's just obsolescence. And so a lot it's of laziness, it, it's, isn't it? Don't you think? It's, it's it's a lot of propaganda, ignorance, laziness, convenience. Like it's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of vice in that. And that makes sense because like the system is a failure. So like belief in a failing system is to be kind of failing yourself in a way. Mm -hmm. And and your children, of course. And so 
like really the imagination thing comes down to like like i i love to just say it as plainly as my um my permaculture design instructor taught me so he uh kevin bayek out in san francisco he's a climate scientist with project drawdown and he certified me and he told us on day one in class he said throw everything you think you know about civilization and society and what's good for it out of the window because we're starting from zero. Mm -hmm. We're going to have no assumptions about what's good and bad for us. And instead, we're going to approach it from the perspective of um, what is going to create the least kind of toxic environment for humans and start from there and go from there. From like, okay, let's just live in a very non-toxic environment and see what spirals out from those designs. Mm-hmm. And what we found was the, the, the more toxins we remove from the systems we're designing and the more resilience we've been in, built into the systems, resilience against fire, earthquake, uh, flood, famine, things like that, when we built those things in the system, we found that it's kind of like an entirely new world that you can move through and work through and participate in that really doesn't totally resemble, you know, the world we're living in now, which is powerful because you know, like my grandpa was born before the car was invented. So yeah. imagine like my grandpa went from horse and buggy to SpaceX. And so I have full, full, full confidence in humans that we can really do a lot of, of good things when we when we switch things So up. what happens, don't you think, or I'm asking really, <clears throat> is that when you put yourself in that place and all those things and you immerse yourself in the ideas of that, and so they all start to tell you what to do because it sort of leans you into that direction. Do you think? Right. Yeah, I think that like, well, okay, so what, so our designs are are all based in biomimicry like that's the fundamental thing about my company that's different than other companies like we really consider nature to be doing it the best and we're just interfacing mm-hmm. with um, technology in the kind of cheapest and most cost effective and human effective ways but we're really focusing on nature being the leader so what you're saying to me really calls out to me that like when we're in the systems and when we're learning from the systems that we're designing or we're in the systems we're designing we're really taking the lead from life itself with a capital L. We're really taking the lead from life and we're finding that that is, you know, the the happiest kind of tango you could be in because life is so loving, so abundant, so regenerative. I mean, I was at a conference this weekend. I just got back from last night very late and uh, we were talking. The research is astounding in my in my cohort community. Like it's it's a small group of us, but like one of us just, you know, is proving we're, we're speeding up the timeline of what we're able to regenerate even right now. Like a year ago, I, I couldn't have told clients that we could do it faster. And now a year we can go even faster. We go three times, 10 times faster on certain things with like building topsoil, for example. Um, at this um, conference, it was a JADAM, J-A-D-A-M conference. Um, it was learning about how to build topsoil from a process that would normally take 500 years down to three months. Wow. So thinking about that is really like what excites me and why I'm going to be in Miami talking and really what the information I want to share with people about like, it seems so difficult and it seems so hard and there is really big problems. It's not to say like, you know, there aren't um, big paradoxes out there for us to handle, but definitely focusing on the, you know, always remembering that, life is abundant and the answers are all provided and so if we can focus on that we're going to really reap Mm -hmm. the the harvest 
Yes, I get chill bumps just listening. <laughs> so I want to know um, how you give Annie chill bumps. Can you talk <laughs> pre- briefly about... Because it's doable, that's why. <laughs> I want to I hear, uh, Eloisa, about like not your childhood, but why are you such an activist? How did you... Yeah. I, you know, we listed all these places that you've lived, a decade living in all those different uh, homestead-type uh, eco-villages. So, like, why did you pursue that? Was it out of necessity? Did you yeah, see Yeah, yeah, totally. So, it's a combination. Like, I was... I was always like a really, oh my gosh, this is, this is fun. This is a fun conversation. Yeah. I can definitely say to all the problem children out there, I was a huge problem child, like up until college, I was like always in detention and stuff like that. So just never, never like give up on yourself, basically, even if other people don't see your potential. And I like went to college and I studied AI then. And I was like, then I became, it was a flip. I became like a star student. So I got to be like all over academia and stuff because I got, I'm really good at logic and math. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, all of a sudden just um, things were clicking. But I found that the academic environment is so far removed from the field work environment and so far removed from citizen scientists and just like um, also information has changed. Technology has changed. You can learn anything these days yourself. And um so basically, I left university um, with my bachelor's degree and I hit the road because I grew up in an environment that never encouraged anything like that. Like my my home environment was very conservative in the sense of like, you go, you become a lawyer or a doctor and that's your path. And if you don't do that, you're um, failing as like mm-hmm. an immigrant child and also just as a like American capitalist. Right. and. That was that was just not anything that ever um, that was never music to my ears. So it never really played with my heartstrings before. But when I got on the road and I started seeing like all these incredible permaculture designers and eco village hippies and you know kind of astral beings and um, plants, like just meeting the plant spirits is like a whole nother thing. That's really I believe in the spirit of all life. And so meeting these spirits and converging and communing in the spa- the temple of nature is was brought to me because I found that there was no nowhere else, no other community that understood me and valued me so deeply. Oh, like, I, I went you, Alisa. <laughs> I went where I was valued. I went where I was finally valued because I knew that I had... I was on to something and I just really encourage everybody like to stay around people who really help you grow right. um, and, and and don't try and um, domesticate your, your soul or or anything like that, try and stay um, very just wild and pure and in your bliss. And that's that's what took me on the road. You know, I found that a lot of people that are really smart, uh, it's very, uh, in the early stages, a lot of times, they're just incredibly bored and uh, entertaining themselves and it turns into a negative. And so right. if you just keep at it and you do find that fruit that, you know, feeds you, which is what you did, uh, then it's just a wide open uh, world. Uh, and then your, your brain just goes crazy with the uh, absorption of all the knowledge and I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> That's a profound point. And thank you so much for the very warm welcome, all the hospitality. I really feel it in my bones. It, it makes me feel safe and good. And um, I also would say that, you know, really to your point, I wrote a book. My first book is called Culture Board. So that's exactly what, you know, I was saying and I was trying to describe to people was that like all of my energy didn't have like a positive or it did. I I mean, I played sports and I did some other things to try and get that energy out. But a lot of it was just a matter of 
finding the right channels for that energy. And I think that's a really important parenting note for any parents out there that the ener- your child's energy isn't what's negative. It's just like, where are they going to channel it? And is it going to be um, constructive for them? Um, and yeah, so Culture Board is, you can get pre-orders on shopcultureboard.com. And it's a, that's really, for people who really want to understand, like the, my, my whole perspective in life, that's, I recommend just reading my books. I have okay. um, more coming out soon. Very yeah. good. So, uh, Eloisa, we have about 10 minutes left with you. We do have an email from Twinkle and they say, your guest is amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. And, uh. Wow. So, <laughs> Twinkle's so sweet. Yes. She was on yeah. the, the show earlier, too. She's just lovely. And we have another message from Mike in St. Pete. He says, great show, folks. And he does have a question, but it's unrelated. So we're going to talk about that in a, in a minute. <laughs> so, Paul, you put in your front yard. So, uh, Eloise, oh what are some immediate policy changes that you think we should yes. make either locally or globally? Because, you know, you're going to this expo, you're giving the talks, and the people that you're talking to are probably supportive but they might not necessarily be the change makers. So what, talking to government officials, what immediate policy changes do you think we should be making? Immediately, I think that like single-use plastic and yes. production <laughs> and distribution of single-use plastic should be made illegal. And I know that there's some cool countries in the world who have done that, like Kenya made plastic bags illegal. Um, and this is something that's so simple and easy and the same thing with like plastic water bottles i think i think making something illegal will force companies to innovate (laughs) if because if you make it illegal then that company nestle still has all that money coca-cola still has all that money you think they're gonna just stop selling stuff no you make it illegal and they'll find something else to sell like they'll find the solution they'll put the money into the research so that's my first thing um i would also recommend um for because there's going to be so much climate migration because so many people are going to be flooded or burned out of their homes and become refugees i really think that like that is another critical aspect to consider is that we need to think about how we're going to handle human migration Mm. as policymakers and make sure that it's as humane as possible because right now our current systems of borders are just so ridiculously you know unfair like and and i don't want anyone to migration is natural right like um birds fly across continents every every few every couple seasons and they do this um seasonal migration and so do whales and why wouldn't humans do the same thing is my question why wouldn't humans also need to migrate for resources and for we did forever our whole world (laughs) exactly exactly so So really thinking about those two policies i can get named more but i think those are some pretty interesting Uh easy accessible very good so eloisa when we introduced you i said that you're a child of an illegal mexican immigrant and the reason i said that is because you sent that to me as your bio so why do you think it's important for people to to lead with that yeah yeah um, I guess because like, I t- first of all, I work in the sphere of decolonization. And I think that in, in order to be like a light skinned person with like a lot of privilege in the space of decolonization, like growing up where I did, how I did, I just feel that it's important for people to understand that I have direct, a direct lineage and story that's my own. And I think everyone, I think everyone has been traumatized by colonization, first of all. So I'm t- so I think I'm leading with my first trauma with colonization, which is I think and again, I think everyone has been and everyone <coughs> kind of is. So it's not to say that like I'm better than someone because I've experienced trauma because that's never what what it's about. It's about identifying 
where you've been where and how you've been traumatized so that was my first trauma was just the idea that even like my mother could be illegal like what does it mean to be illegal like why is she not a wild animal that's an endangered species like why is she an illegal person and um especially considering ancestrally this border between arizona texas new mexico where i'm from in the southwest and the mexican border in the indigenous communities I'm friends with, that everybody was crossing this border exactly. for thousands of years. We have records, we have seed records, fossil records, yes. tool records, and verbal records that this was a natural migration of that bioregion that people would trade up and down Baja California and the Southwest. And, and that was just what was normal. And that was what was fun. And so for me, I feel that it's important to lead with that because I want people to question like who is making the rules about anything that's going on and who is it benefiting? Because as a biologist, a lot of the government systems and political and economic systems we have are really uh, against life. Again, with the capital L, they're really um, it's a uh, control issue. Right. And it's about it's about money. Like we can totally yes. say it's about money power wealth power and fame are the kind of um like father son and holy ghost of of american capitalism and wealth power and wealth power and fame are empty um zeitgeist they're just completely empty of any kind of real meaning once you actually understand again what life is with a capital l you can see that like i want to live in a world that's like so much better than what we've ever seen in human history and i know how to design it and my friends know how to design it and we know how to create it and already people are and so that's totally like the i just want people to question these fundamental beliefs they have about like what is illegal what is good and bad because i know a lot of great biologists who do really illegal stuff but it's literally saving your groundwater saving your local bird population whatever and there's some great examples of anarchists who have broken the law in order to change the law so I recommend people looking into the story of like Brad Lancaster in Arizona, in Tucson, Arizona, who used all of his privilege and his knowledge and his experience and resources to break the law, to cut the curbs in the in the local street so that the water would divert into his yard so that he could harvest the rain because it's illegal in mm -hmm. many places to harvest. Your I own heard water. that Including in Arizona. Florida. Ariz what? Parts we of Florida. We're not supposed to catch our water? We're fine, but I heard on the East Coast, it's for some counties, it's against the law. That is incredible. Right? I and did so, not know that. I knew it was in Arizona, so which question, blew my mind. Yeah, you question why would that that God-given supply, right. you know, water is life, be something that can be um, illegal for you to collect on your own land, under yeah. your own feet, in your own home. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, we have to remember this is not an accident. The water is being diverted into the municipal supply for you to buy it back. So it's the difference between free and city <laughs> supply. So yes. you're. that's why... We can't buy rainwater. So anyway, Brand Brad Lancaster, total legend. Very good. He man. went, cut the curbs, got the laws changed. Thank you, Eloisa. So Eloisa, we only have about three minutes left uh, with you, and our our final question is: What you mentioned, how you lived at all these different places, and you're kind of thinking about money and economics. So what do you think the future of economics looks like according um, to your estimate? And Reminder: You only got about three minutes. Like for oh, real. I love that. Not not a, a you know not a fantasy world, but a for real one. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So for real, I think that we're going to have a combination, or we need to have a, you know a combination of a moneyless society and like a capitalist society or a socialist society um, as a transition or as kind of interplay. I think that the 
most important thing is to make property like that is to make land no longer like property. I think all humans have right to land. And if, if you just took that one thing away, people could still participate in capitalism, but you'd be able to do it in a way that would allow people to opt out too. Cause I really believe in consent. And I believe that we're not, this is an unconsensual relationship I have with the United States government and the and the world bank. And I feel that it's unconsensual. So I want options that I can have where I can participate in other forms of governance and economics. And so that's why I, again, I, I went looking for spaces that are, are doing different things. And I'm a huge believer in a, in a moneyless economy and society. And I participated in that for like six years, um, pretty much my Solve. Thank you, Eloisa Lewis, yes. for being our guest. That uh, was very enlightening. We enjoyed it, and so did our listeners. Yeah. We have um, a couple of messages. We just need to get rid of oil in general. No way to get rid of plastic when they are all made from byproducts of a lot of non-renewables like natural gas and coal. And then we have a couple of emails that say, appreciate your guests, love the guests. So, Eloisa Lewis, thank you so much. And for listeners who want to learn more about Eloisa, they can go to the Mother Earth News podcast. And Eloisa and I have like a one and a half hour podcast, but it's not coming out until April for Earth Day. How wonderful. And uh, so thank you, Eloisa. And we have some emails that want to know how to spell Eloisa. E-L-O-I-S-A Lewis. All right. Thank you, Eloisa. Thanks, everyone, so much. Have a blessed day. You Thanks. too. And it was uh, her, uh, hers is at New Climate Culture for the March 1st and, or 2nd for the 50 free tickets. So you guys can look up that and see if you can qualify. And you got to go to Miami, though. That's right. He's you got to get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next guest is also going to be talking about sustainability things because mm-hmm. that's what our show is all about. And it is Lara Milligan is a natural resource agent at the UF IFAS Extension Pinellas County. And she created the Florida Water Stewards course and has a podcast called Naturally Florida. Welcome to the program. Hey, Laura. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. We're excited to have you. Can you talk about why you decided to start a podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So in my role, my job is really to reach as many people as I can with environmental education. And we had been doing a Wildlife Wednesday webinar series since 2015. And it was really the pandemic that kind of prompted us. So when the whole world who was doing education switched to webinars, when we had already been doing them, we said, okay, this was. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we had a dead air there for a second. <laughs> uh-uh. We, we lost, we lost oh, Laura. I'm- can you hear me? Yes, yeah, we can. We can no, hear you. Okay. We, we lost where, you for just 20 seconds. Stay where you are. So I don't know about you, but I wander around when I'm on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Find your spot. <laughs> so, uh, Lara, can you talk to us about where um, what listeners can expect when they listen to the podcast? Yeah, so we really try and make it fun and conversational. Shannon and I try and make more complex topics, very understandable for all of our listeners. And we focus on a variety of topics from water resources to wildlife to the bigger picture ecosystem level. And we always end with a call to action because we want people to implement change. We don't just want people to learn. We want them to do as well. And you can find out more about our podcast too at our website, naturallyfloridapodcast.com. 
And we also have transcripts available if you are hearing impaired, which you probably wouldn't be able to hear this now, but hopefully there's transcripts available, but we do have that resource available to everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we're getting distracted. Yeah, we got a lot going on here. <laughs> But we're excited. I read. I actually just wanted to let you know. I downloaded it today. Oh, good! And Ooh, so, yeah, yay! Yeah, and just I released a new episode. <laughs> yeah, right, and also I wanted to let people know that they can uh, they can listen to the other episodes. Uh, so they're all available there. So you know you can just <laughs> you can go in there and just listen for all day if you want to. What do they call that when you li- watch TV? All Streaming. Day? Yes, it's on demand. No, that's not what I'm looking Streaming? for. Streaming. No, when somebody's watching it for all day. Streaming. Binge watching. Binge watching. Thank you, you Mr. Bill Craze. We always. I know it. He always adds a little bit to the show. He comes up with the thing that we need every time. It's fantastic. So, um, do you know if other extension offices have podcasts, or is this podcast not really associated with the extension office? No, it is associated, and there are a few. There's. one on specific to beekeeping, which is actually an international podcast. It's amazing and very, very popular. There's several other extension offices that do have podcasts, but none that are specific to environment and natural resources. Oh, yours is the only one that is? At least within extension. Of course, in the whole podcast realm, mm-hmm. there's yeah. several hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, wow. That's yes. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. I think it's wonderful that, you know, you are reaching out in a different way because that's what everybody listens to now. Podcasts are very popular. And if, you're yeah. not, if you don't have that going on, you know, it's part of that social media situation that you're disconnected from. So good for you. Can yeah, you? and we, we understand, you know, people are busy. I'm a mother of two. I get it. You know, mm-hmm. I might want to be learn, going to in-person classes and learning about environmental topics, but I just don't have the time. Like, that's not what I want to do on my weekend. So now while I'm doing the dishes or doing the laundry, I can just pop on a podcast and, and learn that it's way. It's the so. greatest. You just put your phone in your pocket and, uh, and tune in. I just love it. Yes. Can you describe a little bit about what participants of the program can expect and what your goals of the program are? So... Are we switching over to the water stewardship program now? Yes. We can. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the um, the water stewardship program is a program I teach every fall. So, stay tuned because I haven't released uh, this year's program yet. But the program is really designed to learn all about water, both at the state and local level. So, and each program session or class session takes place at a new location, depending on the topic for that class session. So we're traveling all around Pinellas County, exploring hands-on, seeing it out in the field. We have a field tour, a guest speaker, and then just general program presentations at each class session. And of course, we have a class discussion. So it's kind of, we keep it small. We cap it at 20 people. So it's a little cohort learning all about water. We meet every other week. And then in between class sessions, we do have quote unquote, you can't see me air quotes, homework, where participants can dive deeper to learn more about different topics. And we structure the homework so that each participant is looking at a different topic or issue. And then we bring that back to the class and have a a bigger discussion that way. So that's not just a single class class. It's a a length of like several weeks? Correct. Yeah, it's about it. It takes about three months, so we meet every other week for about seven sessions. So it's it's kind of like a college course, but just for the general public. And we do allow youth to participate as well, as long as there's an, a, um, an adult that's also enrolled in the program. 
Oh, okay. And, like and the parent. 20 people who sign up, they're going to be the cohort, or can you join in halfway through? Correct. No, you have to start start and end with the crew. So, yeah. okay. <laughs> yes, it's it's an it's an investment, but a, a good one. And and why should people? What would be the motive of the individual joining the Florida Water Stewards course? I think, in general, just to learn more about water resources. I think it's such a big topic, right? There's no way you can know everything about water. <laughs> even just within Pinellas County. So there's so many aspects to it. So this is just kind of opening the door to learning the basics of those topics and then giving you the tools and resources to learn more if you so desire. And it's really just to open participants' eyes and see water in a new way and hopefully in a way that motivates them to take positive action. That's kind of the big overarching goal of the program. So you're teaching them what's going now and what's happening in those areas so then they can connect to it so they can actually become active? Yes, correct. And they, there is a critical piece I missed is there is a stewardship project component to the course as well. So each participant does their own stewardship project. They can team up with other individuals in the program. But so that's kind of one outcome that, you know, oh. they will be implementing. It doesn't have to be done within the course, but they kind of you know, so it's get like a everything thesis, going and start Sort of like a thesis thing at the end of your session of uh, college? Yeah, kind of. And, you know, it can be big and small. We've had people install drip irrigation, oh. rain gardens to larger restoration projects, um, just joining a pond committee. I mean, there's so many different aspects of stewardship. So I'm pretty flexible on what they can do as long as it's something they're interested in and motivated to pursue. That's great. Can you talk about like one or two of the locations and when you have the class... Are they in water? Are they in a classroom? <laughs> Probably close to water, at least, right? Sometimes we, we have we have done typically I don't want to give give it give it away, but sometimes there is water involved on the last class when we have our, our graduation. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit of a surprise, so I won't ruin that one. But we do some tour some facilities. So one tour that I love the most, which sounds kind of weird once I tell you what it is, is touring the wastewater treatment facility. <laughs> but I just think that's a huge and overlooked aspect of water resources. It's a critical need that we often don't think about, but there's a lot of science behind it and a lot of regulations. Mm -hmm. So we typically tour that as part of our session on looking at water laws and regulations Yeah, and just learning about it, you know, seeing it firsthand, but learning about it from the boots on the ground. Uh, it's, this is totally off topic, kind of, sort of. But I'm real concerned about that pure situation that they've been talking about, the P-U-R-E, which is injecting uh, treated uh, waters into our aquifer. And they're trying to do that over here in Tampa. They're trying to push yes, that. Yes, yes. There's Scary. Again, yeah, there's many aspects. That is some one piece that we do touch on. We have a session that looks at future water supply. Mm -hmm. And so that is one aspect that we're looking at as a way to, you know, quote unquote, recharge the aquifer. Yee. It's <laughs> it's a messy world. It's it's not easy. Water management is a, a huge, huge task and a huge critical need, especially here in Pinellas County, but also throughout Tampa Bay and the state of Florida. Yeah. Can you talk about maybe like another location, like are any other locations in the classroom or is everything outside and hands-on? So we're always in some, well, I shouldn't say that because when COVID happened, we did manage to do everything outside. But now that we're kind of back to fully in person, there is always a classroom component when we're doing our presentation. So we try and like start upland. We It's some like, like following a drop of water. So we typically have our first class up at Brooker Creek Preserve That's and Tarpon Springs place. and kind of looking at the freshwater resources. And then we typically end at a saltwater location. 
uh, down at Weedon Island Preserve there. Mm. Oh, that's nice. So it's not just one place. That's what I was thinking, that yeah. you were going to pick I, one spot no, she and said, then stay. She said it, Annie. I missed it. <laughs> Danny was having microphone problems. But but yeah, every other week they're at a different location. I don't, uh, thank you for (laughs) clarifying because I completely missed that. I I thought it was like pick one, stay there. And um, I think in May we're going to have the Whedon Island Preserve people on as a guest. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're booked up three months in advance. It's crazy. So can you tell, can uh, non Pinellas people join your course? Or is it only for Pinellas residents? Yes, correct. Anyone who is interested and willing, I don't, I don't turn anyone away. And I typically do also offer several scholarships as well. So I try and make it accessible to everyone. And yeah, there's no, no Pinellas County resident requirement. Very good. We do have a, another email from Twinkle, and they want to know, how can we stop Nestle from sucking all the water out of the aquifer? Yeah. And I... I don't know if you can answer that, but I hope you have some thoughts on it. And I and I don't know if it's just Nestle. It could be it's a some lot other of different, yeah, yeah, different companies. I was, I was actually going to say it's it's actually us that that is sucking most of the water out, and that's one of the components that we teach about in the program. Is we look at water users because mm-hmm. a lot of people also tend to point the finger to ag, but in the latest you know analysis of water supply and demand, it was actually the public sector that that mm-hmm. won that big chunk in terms of the fresh water. Um, so who's so it out of the water. how they're measuring that, they're measuring it with water bills and such like that. Is that how they're doing that? Oh, it's incredibly, that's way above my pay grade, but it's very, very intense. There's a whole research publication that discusses the methods behind that. But mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, right, we all need water to survive. So I think, unfortunately, one of the things I stress in the program is we can't point fingers. We're all a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So well, and we can all be a part of the solution. And part of the solution is to learn to uh, use less water. I mean, that's a big factor right there. If you're telling us that it's the public, mm-hmm. the general public, us, that's doing this, then we need to learn how to turn the water off from our brushing our teeth. For Annie, sakes. who was our guest who said they only use blank amount of water a day? Remember, she was in the studio. Uh-uh. She was saying, you know, she was like boasting about how don't little remember. water you know? she used. No. <laughs> oh, that's what you're asking me. I thought you were like, it was a lead up for the big bomb. But so, uh, we can all be measuring our water. Oh, know? it was probably uh, Hawaii, Kelly Hawaii. I bet you. She's so conservative. She has a zero waste. Kelly Hawaii Wild? Uh, Kelly Hawaii is her last name. Oh, and, okay. And she has a zero <laughs> waste. another guest you could maybe have on. Oh, we've had her on. She's fabulous. Uh, okay. She has a zero waste store. So her consciousness level of being zero waste is very high. So that's probably who that was, I betcha. So, uh, Laura, we have um, some emails, and one of them is from Brooke, and they want to know, how do we sign up? Can't find <laughs> info online. No, you did say that you haven't advertised the fall one yet, but once you Correct. do start publishing it, where, what website or where would yeah, they go to? Yeah, and when will they go to it? Yes, so I'm hoping to have everything finalized by the end of March, but you can actually go on if you just search Florida Water Stewardship Program, Pinellas County, on, you should come onto my website through the Pinellas County Extension web webpage, and there is an interest form, so you can go ahead and fill that out, and that's who I notify first okay. when the course registration opens. And otherwise, it'll just be on our main Eventbrite page, which you can, again, if you just go to Pinellas County Extension website, there's a calendar there, and it'll be Link and so, so they can sort of let you know that they're interested prior to this, and then you Correct. will let them know first. And how do they put their name in that list? 
It's a form online. It's just, is it just it's an form? online form and you just put your name and your email or your preferred method of contact. Okay. And I, I, I love might that do group. that. I think is that's it, a good idea. Is it called Florida Water Stewards course or stewardship? It's Florida Water's Stewardship Program. Gotcha. Very good. Okay. Now, you also offer another wide range of environmental education programs throughout the year. Can you talk to us about some of those offerings? Yeah, so every summer, if you are an educator of any kind, whether you're formally in the classroom or at a college aspiring to become a formal teacher or a non-formal educator, we do a program called Eco Educator Workshop. Eco stands for Exploring Environmental Education Curriculum Options, which I know is a mouthful, but <laughs> that's essentially what we do. Every summer, we feature different environmental education activities and curriculum that exists, and there's tons of it out there. So every summer, we switch up the curriculum we teach, which allows people to take the program every single summer. Last year was our 10th year offering the program. This will be our 11th. And it's just a great way not only to meet other educators in the area, but to learn. We do hands-on activities all day. It's just a super fun program um, and a way to then, it's like a train the trainer, then reach the youth with these with environmental education in the county. So do you uh, specifically align that to different grades, uh, different age groups for different good. children? Is that how that works? Yeah, good question. So our focus is really on elementary age youth, but we don't, anyone who wants to, again, participate in the program, even if they're middle or high school, typically with most curriculum, you can easily adapt the activities to your students. So, so again, it's open to anyone, but the focus is really environment, or I'm sorry, elementary age youth. Yeah, I was thinking that's probably what it was going. Do you get uh, non-K through 12 educators? Like, do you get educators from other cultural institutions? Yeah, that's actually, we've seen a big shift. So the when we first launched the program, it was really exclusively for formal educators. And then we saw the need for non-formal. So now that's actually the big makeup of our program. So people from like Mosey, Tampa Bay Watch, Keep Pinellas Beautiful, these kind of more uh, nonprofit educational groups, and even homeschool parents as well. That's, are that's a great thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Homeschooling would be incredible uh, for that. You know, homeschooling is interesting. I was thinking if there's so many like homeschooling, if somebody could take the course and do a little group session for lots of the homeschool. I just think that would yes. work out great. Do you know if teachers can get uh, CEUs, continuing education yes, units? Yes, they can. Because okay. Yeah, a- so we provide all of the kind of requirements for them to check the boxes they need, certificate of completion, mm-hmm. attendance, and things like that. Um, I have worked specifically with Pinellas County Schools because that is the bulk of our registrants. But if anyone's interested from outside of Pinellas County, they can just contact me and we'll work with their district to ensure that they get their credits. That's very good because as a retired teacher, <laughs> You're I, never know, retired. I know how important those units are because oh, you have right. to keep renewing your certificate. You have to do that every year. And huh? if you can do it locally and, and, and for something fun. And something you're interested in. Yes. You know, that's the thing too, because that that's a very productive thing to do just as in yes. general. I mean, I don't teach other, you know, I don't teach kids, but I would be interested in doing that. Just and you're signing me. up for all of your offerings. I think I am. <laughs> hey, I'll take you. <laughs> so we have an email from Joe in Dover, Florida. When I went to classes at the Hillsborough County Extension, they say 60% of 
residential water usage was used to water grass and plants, most oh. non-indigenous, which is why it's important to begin using uh, native and indigenous plants that is to correct. save your water. So good. Great uh, write-in. Thank you for that. Yeah, because grass is a huge hog for water. If we just got rid of that, that would make a big difference. It really yes. would. And all the chemicals too, because the runoff, I mean, the runoff from the chemicals are what's killing the seagrass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. yeah. yeah Stormwater pollution is a, is a huge contributor, probably the number one to water pollution in general throughout yeah. the country. Yeah. And it's funny how everything ties together when you think about it like that. It is all one big circle. And, you know, if we, yep. if we start putting those links together, it all fixes itself. Can you talk to, uh, to us about maybe another uh, program that the UFI FIS Extension Pinellas County offers? Yeah, and that's actually a pretty good segue because <laughs> the stormwater issue was, was the main um, kind of motivator behind this program. So it's called Adopt-A-Drain. Again, you can just search for Pinellas County Adopt-A-Drain. The idea or concept is that residents adopt an, a nearby storm drain or more. Typically, people do more than one. And after you, um, we finalize the drains, you do volunteer waiver and we have a little training that you watch and you get this cool kit that helps you to clear and maintain your storm drains to keep it free of litter and debris, especially right now, leaf litter. I'm sure you're aware. I, I just saw that this morning. I was so mad. Somebody blowing leaves into it. I was riding my bike so and much. the, the, whatever it's called, not the sewer, but the side of the, you know, next underneath the curb. Uh, yeah, the stormwater. Stormwater uh-huh. drainage that's like three foot wide. Right. Completely yes. packed with leaves. Oh. Like they just leaf blew it. Yeah, because it just people don't pick up the leaves. That's what it always gets me is that they're blowing the leaves, but where are they blowing them to? You know, if they yeah, pick so, them up, and I put them in my yard is what I and do it with them. And it is illegal to blow leaves down the storm drains. Oh, yeah, mm. totally. Report those people, please. I, I saw somebody pouring paint down at one time. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then, of yeah. course, people don't even know, you know, know about that the uh, Pet waste is, you know, a big pollutant yes. to the bay. Huge. They just think it's a fertilizer, you know? It's crazy. That's that's correct. Yeah, I wrote a whole blog article about that because <laughs> uh, I, I've heard so many people say, well, it's just fertilizer. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, but we have like 150,000 right. registered dogs in Pinellas it, County. It's not a natural function. Yeah. It's like it having outdoor up. cats. Yeah, yeah, it's not a natural function. All right, so, uh, Laura, we have a caller, and we have John from Sarasota. Hi, John. Hey, John. Yeah, hello. Hi, do you have a water-related question? Uh, I do. It, it's, a, it's a subject uh, that I don't hear much about, and I'm, I'm not related to your show, so if you covered this, please forgive me. But uh, down here in Sarasota, uh, we, uh, our barrier islands uh, need uh, periodic re-nourishing uh, because of beach erosion. And uh, this uh, usually is done by dredging the inlets uh, that are adjacent to the barrier islands. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, I've done some some online research over the years, uh, especially because I don't see it uh, uh, discussed much, and maybe it's because it's a hot button issue. But the, the dredging of inlets uh, dredges up tons and tons of silt off the uh, the seabed mm. uh, in the in the inlets, and uh, this these uh, these several tons of silt uh, on an incoming tide will uh, coat the seagrass bed uh, right. in, uh, in the bays, uh, especially. Uh, uh, nearest to the inlets, but it, but even farther into the bays, it's a, it's a huge problem. And what it does, it uh, not only prevents uh, uh, photosynthesis because of the cloudiness of the water, 
but the silt coats the seagrass uh, uh, inhabitants uh, from the, the tiniest microscopic mm-hmm. animals. Yeah. Uh, and right up to, uh, and it affects the, the tiniest animals right up to the uh, manatee that, that live on seagrass. Right, and I just want to interrupt you because we're almost out of time. Uh, you guys in uh, Sarasota Bay to the south lost more than 500 acres between 2020 and 2022. So I'm Absolutely. sure that that probably has something to do with it. Did you want to comment on that, Laura? We have, uh, we're almost out of time. I couldn't hear the question, but I heard Sarasota County and something related to water, and I do well, want to let everyone know. They're sucking out the uh, the inlets to provide more sand because the uh, the coastlines are eroding. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's I don't think I can answer that in the amount of time, but <laughs> okay. there is a water stewardship program being offered in Sarasota, Manatee County. Oh, that they can, Very nice. It's starting up in March, so they, it's a statewide program, so they're offering it there, too. So, John, you out. should take that, because that, that sounds like you're already involved, and you'd really learn a lot. Maybe you can spearhead uh, some sort of uh, uh, something <laughs> there to help. That would be great. Thanks for calling. Yeah, there are, uh, there's a Sarasota Bay Estuary program here. Mm-hmm. And one or two other organizations that, that receive the mm-hmm. maize with scallops and things like that with bivalve. But that's, uh, to me, that's a band-aid. It's uh, just mm-hmm. a larger issue it, also needs to be addressed. It, it totally is. But we're almost out of time. So we are really delighted that you called in, yes. though. So thank you, John, uh, for highlighting much. that. And then Annie mentioned that she's going to look for the seagrass scientists and we're going to talk about that yes, in a future show. Yes, I want to show. get them from the paper. They and, were excellent. Uh, Laura, can you say uh, maybe your telephone number or uh, your county's email and how people can get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, my email, I use my university email mostly. It's Lara, L-A-R-A 317 at ufl.edu. You can just search my name, Lara Milligan, and, and it, you can find all my contact information. If you want to give me a call, though, it's 727 727- Four five three six nine zero five. That rings directly to me. Um, but again, you can find me anywhere on the internet as a government employee and <laughs> reach out to me and, anytime. And we'll have you on our blog too, so people can go online Perfect. to our uh, Sustainable Living Show on WMNF uh, on Facebook, and then they can find all that information. Thank you so much for being on here, Laura. This is very informative. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope. Y'all tune in to Naturally Florida podcast and check out all the other programs that we have to offer. You're on my dial. (laughs) Thank you so much, Anne. (laughs) Annie might be your student. I think I am. I love it. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. I love these guests that you got. I did not get these guests. These were Kenny's guests, and they were fantastic. Wonderful. If you enjoyed this show, like Annie, and our weekly (laughs) content, please go to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. And uh, anytime you're feeling it, we would accept your generosity because that is how we're going to stay on the air. We, We do need your funds. We do. We can't do it without you. Exactly. So stay tuned. In the next hour, you'll hear WMNF's Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, and listen to today's Tom Hartman Show Live. Make sure to tune in next Monday morning at 11 for our fun fundraiser. We'll be playing clips from some really great shows and plenty of goodies to offer for donations. Tune in and join us on the next Sustainable Living Show. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop and also to listen listen to our past shows, just go to Listen On Demand at on WMNF.org. I'm Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror.
Yep. And you're listening to WMNF Tampa. You're so good.